Let's pray. Father, give us ears to hear your word, your good news in Jesus Christ, the good news of the, the new Adam, the second Adam, the last Adam. Give us ears in his name. Amen. Please be seated. So I mentioned these words of Jesus over Jerusalem that are very relevant for the situation in Europe right now. If you, even you, had only known this day the things that make for peace. Yeah, I don't know all the things that make for, for peace right now. I do know world leaders need much wisdom for costly decisions full of consequences. And we can pray for that wisdom. God is generous in wisdom when we ask him for that. I do know there's going to be much suffering and displacement, which we can both pray for and prepare for, get ready for, as a church, as countries. And I do know in the midst of all this bad news, there is good news to hear. That in our world, in our history, in our human frame, peace, final peace, has been made, has happened, and is available to anyone to draw from. And one day we'll cover the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. And in the meantime, we are called to know that peace, to live that peace, to pray for, promote that peace in the world as much as is possible. And Paul, in his letter to the Roman church, tells us where that peace was made, where it can be found where we can draw upon it. We've been going through the book of Romans and we're looking at Romans 5 today, chapter 5, the second half of it. And in this letter, one of the bigger things Paul is telling us about is how God makes things right in this world. How he makes us right in and through Jesus Christ. In chapters three and four, what he says is first how God declares us to be right in Jesus Christ. That's what he does first. When we simply trust God, it's as simple as that. When we trust the God who justifies the unjust, who calls into existence the things that don't exist, who gives life to the dead, when we trust God, those who trust God, And for such things, suddenly we find ourselves pardoned, justified, declared by God to be in the right, righteous, in and through Jesus Christ. It is so easy, so free for us, only because it cost God so much. Only because of what the love of God has done in the life and in the death and then the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. This declaring us right in and through Christ is all part of and just the beginning of God actually making us right in and through Jesus Christ. 
In chapter 5, verse 19, Paul wrote that through Jesus, the many will actually now be made right. A switch starts happening, or righteous. A switch from just being declared right to actually God making you right, making you become what he says you are in Jesus. That's what starts happening in chapters 5, 6, 7, 8, and beyond. As people have said another way, God loves us, of course, the way we are. But he loves us enough not to leave us the way we are. That's what's going on. Now, at the beginning of chapter 5, Paul says, those who trust God are not just justified, find themselves justified in and through Christ. They also now have peace with God in and through Christ. Peace in the Bible means much more than we typically mean by peace. It's not just the absence of strife or war. It is that, but it's more than that. It's shalom in Hebrew. It's the way things are supposed to be. It's when people and God and creation are in harmony, free from strife, but also flourishing in God-honoring ways, the way it's supposed to be. When you hear peace, hear that in the Old and the New Testament. And that is what we have from God in Christ. We have free access to that peace even now. It's not going to be the full expression, but we get to start experiencing it, knowing it, living it, promoting it in this world, in this age. That's what we should be known for. One of the reasons we have that peace so freely accessible to us in Christ is because of who he is. He is the new Adam, the second Adam, the last Adam. Now, Paul doesn't use that word last Adam here in Romans. He uses it in his letter in 1 Corinthians. But what he's doing here in Romans is actually describing what he means when he says the last Adam in 1 Corinthians. In the second half of chapter 5, Paul is comparing and contrasting the first Adam in the garden with the second Adam, Jesus. Similarities and differences. Who is Adam? What does he do? Adam represents the human race. He stands for each one of us. So that if we are honest, each one of us can identify with what he did, with what he experienced, and what he spread from the garden. How he turned his back on God, his word, his ways, and started to experience death, corruption, in every relationship, in every endeavor, and eventually turns to dust. Like poison, that sin, that death, that condemnation has spread out from him to everything and everyone, to every descendant of Adam, including you and me. Novelist Alexander Solzhenitsyn once wrote, the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart. 
We need to hear that in our day. If we are honest, we can identify, we all should be able to identify with fallen Adam. As people have said, it's one of the most provable doctrines of the Christian faith. But there is another Adam, the true Adam. And by the grace of God, each of us is invited to, called to, start identifying ourselves with him and his humanity. Paul says the first Adam was just a type of the one who was to come. With similarities, of course, but important differences. Just just as the first Adam spread sin, condemnation, and death, the second Adam spreads justification and life, Paul says, in the fullest sense of that word to everyone who would receive him for who he is. Whatever the first Adam did to mess things up, the second Adam did more to make things right. In his death, his resurrection, his life, his sending of the Holy Spirit. However far Adam fell, Jesus went further so that all future falling would be a falling into him. As Paul says, where sin increased, Grace abounded all the more. Jesus is not some footnote to Adam. He is the new Adam, the second Adam, the last Adam. Basically, he took on our humanity and switched it back to God. He lived in our humanity as it was meant to be lived, at peace with God in the Holy Spirit. He lived in our own flesh and blood as one of us, doing carpentry for the majority of his life, loving those around him, eating and drinking with friends and with his Father in the Spirit as one of us in our flesh and blood. When he walked the earth, he wasn't just showing us what God was like. He was showing us what it meant to be truly human, as we were created and redeemed to be. He comes into the land of Israel as the new Joshua as well. In Hebrew, they shared the exact same name, and there's a lot of similarities and a lot of differences between the first Joshua and the new Joshua. Jesus didn't come into the land with an army. He came in with 12 ordinary disciples. He didn't come conquering evil by imposing violence on anyone, but ultimately by receiving violence. He conquered through the cross. He conquered by healing people with his hands, by delivering people who were spiritually oppressed, by offering people forgiveness, by showing them a new way to be in this world, a new humanity, his humanity, his way of being in the world. The late singer-songwriter Leonard Cohen, he was, who was Jewish, once said this about Jesus. I'm very fond of Jesus. 
He may be the most beautiful guy who ever walked the face of the earth. Any guy who said, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, has got to be a figure of unparalleled generosity and insight and madness. A man who declared himself to stand among thieves, the prostitutes, and the homeless, his position cannot be comprehended. It is an inhuman generosity, a generosity that would overthrow the world if it was embraced because nothing could weather that compassion. I'm not trying to alter the Jewish view of Jesus Christ, but to me, in spite of what I know about the history of legal Christianity, the figure of the man has touched me. And if you follow his music like I do, you can see it touched him throughout his life. Being touched by, being identified with this man, embracing that generosity, overthrowing the world with that compassion, that's what Christians should be known for in this world. Jesus is not just the most beautiful and best example of a human being on the world, in the world. He is that. But he is the new representative of the human race, of what it means to be human. We're meant to see his humanity that he still has now in resurrected form as our humanity made new, as our humanity that we're meant to recognize and participate in and express on the earth. We're meant to stop identifying with the old Adam and to start identifying with the new. One of my mentors used to say, we are most our true selves when we are most in Christ. We live in a time and in a culture when we're encouraged to create our own identities. And at first, this can be exhilarating for people when they first hear this. You can be whatever and whoever you want. It's in so many children's movies. It's terrible. It's nonsense. And it will exasperate us. It crushes people, that message, when you really try to live that. The philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre pointed out some time ago, what this means is that we are condemned every moment to reinvent ourselves. There's no need to live under that condemnation, which is just another form of Adam's condemnation, what he was doing in the garden. Why do that when you can be given the gift of your true self in Christ? Why do that when you can participate in the beautiful humanity of Jesus Christ? This is what baptism is about. By water and the Holy Spirit, we are baptized into, plunged into him and his new humanity. So that we would count it as our own and participate in it. In Romans chapter 6, Paul says, Don't you know that all of you who were baptized into Jesus Christ were therefore baptized into his death? So that just as he was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so too you may live a new life. He died to sin and is alive to God. So you must also count yourself dead to sin and alive to God 
in him. Do you see how Paul is seeing Jesus as the new Adam, the second Adam, the last Adam? It's the, world, the one we're meant to be identifying with, the one who we are identified with through baptism, through the water and the Holy Spirit that has put us into Christ. Remember the meaning of your baptism. The baptismal font is there where it is every Sunday so that you would do just that. Remember who you are. A traditional thing to do if you're wondering is to dip a finger or say your, your thumb and your first two fingers in the water and just make a mark of the cross on your forehead. It's a way of reminding yourselves not just of your vows, but of who you are in Christ. You are someone who through water and the Holy Spirit has been baptized into, plunged into Jesus and his humanity so that his life, his way of being in the world, his death and resurrection is your life, is your way, is your death, is your resurrection. It's a way of reminding you of that. And each new season of the church calendar is an opportunity to take another look, another angle at how that is true and what that means. So next Sunday, during which uh, starts Lent, will be in Lent, we're going to look at how Jesus resisted temptation in the wilderness and how where Adam and Israel failed, he didn't. And how that victory needs to be seen not just as his victory, but as ours. He's the new Adam. That victory is our victory. And he shares that experientially with us through the Holy Spirit. So that we can resist temptation as he did. The Holy Spirit wants us to know who Jesus is and who we are in him. He has been sent by the Father to re-educate the human race according to the good news of the last Adam. That's what he's come to do. That's what he does and is doing in our lives. That's what he wants to do. We need to keep in step with him. We need to read the scriptures with that in mind. That's the kind of news that will liberate you for life. He doesn't just want us to know about it. He wants to immerse us in it, baptize us in, soak us with Jesus. So every Sunday as you pass that font, you can say, Holy Spirit, help me remember the meaning of my baptism as you baptize me in, as you soak me with the new Adam, the second Adam, the last Adam. May it be so.